We are alive. One, two. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands and say, Praise the Lord. What a privilege we have to live and serve the living God. We don't serve a God, we serve the living God. You know, the nation I come from, people worship many things, think they are God. But what a privilege to know the living God, a God who hears us, a God who answers, a God who loves us. Amen? Amen. What a privilege. We are loved by an unconditional love by our living God. And because of his great love for us, he sent his son into this world who gave his life for you and me. The full price has been paid. Say that with me, full price. Full price. Not a discounted price, but the full price was paid for every sin to be forgiven. His body, he bore our sicknesses and diseases, and he allowed his body to be viciously beaten and broken. Why? So that we can be healed. He took our curse upon him so that we can be free. Hallelujah. And he suffered death so that you and I can have eternal life. That's what makes our Lord exciting, joyful to serve. So are you thrilled this morning? Ah, you still sitting too tight. Come on, raise your hands, move your hands. Say, I love my Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Brother Caleb. Really an exciting time we had uh, in Colorado, and I have got uh, made a new friend. No, two friends, you and your brother there. And <laughs> I didn't know you were brothers. You know, they put us all in different tables. You think everybody is somebody else. <laughs> And it was only after the event was over, we were gathered together for a meal that I found out that Brother Caleb and Joseph were brothers, and they have more brothers. And uh, so we get to know more people. So we are so thrilled to be here, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. And uh, before I share, I do want you to pray for my nation. It's a very vast nation. Over 1.3 billion people live there. And uh, every one of them was created by God, and he has paid the price for their sins to be forgiven so that they can experience the true love of the living God in their lives and walk in that covenant blessings that God has provided and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you do that? Pray for my nation so that this will be one of the greatest, greatest times of harvest in that vast nation. This morning, I want to speak to you about being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Dependent on the Holy Spirit. God created Adam and Eve so that they, he, they can be companions to God, so that they can spend time with God, be related to God, and be dependent upon God. We were never made to live independent. And today, you and I have been blessed by the Holy Spirit, who is living right inside each one of us. The day we receive Jesus Christ, not only were our sins forgiven, and then we are covered with the righteousness of God, but then God has come to now live in us through His Holy Spirit. The greatest example of a life that was totally lived dependent upon God was Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus was entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit during his earthly ministry. If, 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 if anyone could ever understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus himself. He understood the vital necessity of the Holy Spirit in his life. He understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the leading, the direction, everything that the Holy Spirit offers, Jesus understood and was vitally connected to him. Just look at how the life of Jesus was from the time he was conceived, from his conception through his life, his ministry, until his ascension, Jesus was entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Everything that happened in Jesus and through Jesus was dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. But here is the good news. It's not just for Jesus. He, Jesus, longs 
and desires that you and I will have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit. That we too will be governed by the Holy Spirit. That we will be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Controlled by the Holy Spirit. Directed by the Holy Spirit. With this in mind, you can look at John chapter 7 verse 37 to 39 to understand what Jesus is saying. In the book of John chapter 7 verses 37 to 39. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, but because Jesus was not yet glorified. By speaking these words, Jesus is bringing two things to our attention. First, he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is taking place through his own life. He is dependent on the Holy Spirit. There is a present ministry of the Holy Spirit through his life. He is capturing what he is doing in his life through these words. But he is also focusing on the future. He is looking at how the ministry, future ministry of the Holy Spirit will take through place through everyone who puts their faith in him. That is the disciples at the time and every one of us sitting here today. Look at these words again. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, Another translation says, out of his belly, our innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus is saying, the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit, the best way that it can be expressed is rivers flowing through him. It's not a trickle, it's not a few drops, but it is multiple rivers combined flowing out of him. The word flow, if you look in the original language, it's a picture of a river that is rushing and it is so full. It's a river that's so deep, it's so wide, it's so full, it's overflowing the banks. We are familiar with such pictures when, when times when there is incredible storm or something, you know, you, the news is filled with flooding, you know, pictures of floods where land has been flooded, houses have been washed or under the water. It's a, it's an amazing scene how water can come beyond the banks and just fill acres and acres of land. But Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit is inside us, what we will experience is rivers, not one river, but he says rivers will flow. And I think there is something very important that God is trying to communicate to us. It is not based upon us. It's not our strength, our wisdom, our ability, but rather we are supernaturally endowed with the presence of the Holy Spirit that he flows through us like a river. Now let's take a look at what happened with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 29, the Bible says, For Jesus taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. The Jewish people were familiar with people reading the scriptures and explaining, but there was something unique and different about Jesus. He is fully man, he is fully God, but the way he communicated the truth, there was power there, there was authority there, something was supernatural, it came inside, it liberated people, it helped people to be connected with the living God. How did that happen? It's the rivers flowing through him. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 27. It says, Then they were all amazed. 
everyone sitting there. And they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. How did it happen? It happened because there were rivers flowing through him. The presence of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit was so mighty, so strong, that demonic presence that was controlling people could not control them anymore, and they were set free. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 30, the Bible says, Jesus healed the lame, the blind, mute, maimed and many others how can these incredible miracles take place because there was a there was the rivers of the living god flowing through jesus touching people breaking demonic strongholds of sickness and people are being freed and healed hallelujah Look at Matthew 19 two. Great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. In, ver- in Luke 4.40, the Bible says he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. So this is how Jesus described his own relationship with the Holy Spirit as he walked on this earth. He said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It cannot be controlled by man. You know, rivers have banks. No man-made limitation can hold back the awesome power, wisdom, and plan and purpose of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus was experiencing every day of his ministry. Now, we love to read it. We love to go to the New Testament through, as we walk through the Gospels. We enjoy reading this awesome display of God's power, the love of God, the presence of God, how Jesus dealt with people, how he talked with people, even people who are trying to trap him, how he was entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit to answer it brings great joy, but there is something of greater joy that, uh, that was in the heart of Jesus on that day when he spoke this in that temple. He was looking at you and me. He didn't want us to be powerless. He didn't want us to be restrained. He didn't want us to be weak. He didn't want us to be abandoned. He said, what I have, you too will have. Come on, how do we see ourselves? It's wonderful that we are born again. It's wonderful we have an opportunity to gather together and worship the Lord. But there is more that God has for each one of our lives. He wants you to be a channel where the rivers of Holy Spirit can flow through you. Flow through your eyes with love. Flow through your mouth with words. Flow through your heart. Take you to places where people are bound by the devil and destroyed. And can you imagine a flooding river released into a person who is bound and captivated by the devil? They will be absolutely set free. That is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. What he had, he wants us to have. I always am um, surprised when I, I see footage of rivers when they start flooding. I remember watching one a few months ago. Torrential rain, massive floods, waters are rising, and it is uh, you know, encroaching on the side of the banks. And this massive house just slid in there and just floated down the river. All I'm saying is, there is nothing that the devil has over you can continue to hold you back or establish a stronghold because when the rivers of the Holy Spirit begins to flow through my life and your life, every wickedness of the enemy, every failure, whatever it is, will be picked up and washed out and you and I will be totally different, transformed into the image of his son. Hallelujah. You believe that? Come on, say this with me. Lord. Lord. Oh, now that was weak. We may have to serve coffee now. (laughs) 
Come on, raise your right hand. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I am thirsty. Let your rivers flow through me even now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, look at the way he puts it. He says, out of your inner me, if you are thirsty, he says in verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. So how do we drink? Verse 38 gives the answer. He who believes in me. So drinking from Jesus is believing what he says. Even these words. This is not just for somebody else who may have a calling to do ministry. This is for every one of us, no matter where God has placed us in this life and whatever sphere that he has positioned us in, this is for me and this is for you. And this is what we desperately need, I need and you need so that we can be fruitful believers. He says, he who believes in me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. <clears throat> now, not, he's telling us to long for this relationship, to look for this relationship. And, you know, he, Jesus depended on the continual flow of the Holy Spirit for power, for wisdom, for counsel, for ability, everything that he ever did in this earth, he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. First John chapter 4 verse 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. What a powerful scripture. How do we see ourselves? How do we see ourselves? Often we allow the devil to tell us who we are. He points our failures to our failures. He points to our weaknesses. He says this. He says that. We believe it. But look what the picture God is drawing in 1 John 4, 17. He says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. How was Jesus when he was walking on this earth to the men and women who he inter in interacted with, whom he met city by city, village by village. It doesn't matter who it was, whether they're wealthy or poor, whether they were beggars or whether they're people in authority. It did not matter. Anyone could come to him and have their thirst quenched. And that is how God has planned for our lives. And we will never be satisfied. Our thirst and hunger can never be satisfied with anything we possess or anything we do. We must first and foremost be satisfied by the Holy Spirit. Every time you have a need, it's a thirst. Where do we go? Sometimes when, people, when we get tired... We don't think about the Holy Spirit. We want to see if there's something that we can do that, is, that, is, that, that can help, that can mitigate that particular feeling. But if we would turn to the Holy Spirit, He says, I will satisfy you. I will reinforce you. I will energize you. I will transform you. I will lift you up. That is where we are. And God says, hunger, thirst for me. The wonderful thing is, the Holy Spirit resides in us even now. Jesus took time to talk to the disciples about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, in that chapter 14, 15, and 16. He gathers, he goes to the upper room, we all know the story. This is the last night he's going to be with the disciples. They celebrate the Passover and Jesus inaugurates, the, you know, the communion. And while he is with them during that time, he could have talked about many things. But what does he teach the disciples about? He is teaching them about the Holy Spirit. He knew in his absence they would need a powerful ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
He doesn't speak on anything else. He doesn't say, remember we did that. Remember the wedding of Cana. Remember how we raised Razzlus. None of that stuff he's talking. He's telling them, I am not going to leave you comfortless. In John chapter 14, verse 18, remember he begins to tell them that he's going to soon depart. He's going to be arrested. He's going to suffer. He's going to die on the cross. Naturally, sadness comes in the hearts of the disciples. They're wondering, three years we followed him. We gave up our business and everything. Now he says he's going to go away. So you can imagine there are multiple thoughts going through the hearts. They've been with Jesus nonstop. They traveled with him. They slept in the same place, ate together. He's teaching them about ministry. They have operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he says he's going to leave. You can imagine the impact of that news upon the hearts. And that's why Jesus says in John 14, 18, I am not leaving you comfortless. I will come to you again. He's telling each one of us today that he is not gone. But rather, he is he's not going to leave us comfortless. He has sent us the Holy Spirit. On that day, he was telling the disciples, it's important that I go away. But I'm going to send you someone who is called the Holy Spirit. The word orphan is an interesting word. We, we understand the word orphan, someone who does not have a father or mother. But it can also be looked at as a person who feels deserted by someone whom they trusted, to whom they looked for guidance. That was the need on the day with the disciples. And we have this need. We need someone we can trust and rely on every minute of our day. We need someone who can guide us continuously. That's why Jesus said he's not abandoning the disciples. Rather, he is going to come back to them through the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Come on, say this with me. Today. Ah, no, come on. Joyful. I'm not talking about how we're going to take you all out and beat you in the parking lot and send you home. <laughs> now, come on, are you happy? Yes. We're talking about Holy Spirit. We're talking about rivers. We're talking about flood, state, experience. Yes. All right. Now, put both your hands up and say this with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Thank you, Holy Spirit. for living inside me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding me, for helping me, for being or taking the place of Jesus in my life. Hallelujah. So that's what Jesus is telling them. I'm going to come back to you. How? Through the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them. There is someone who's going to take my place in your life. And that is the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a personal replacement in your life. And he's going to be with you all the time. John 16, 7, Jesus said, Jesus later said that the coming of the Holy Spirit will be far better for them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What did he mean by that? By him leaving and sending us the Holy Spirit, you and I can have the unlimited presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Not a limited presence, but the unlimited presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Come on, smile everybody, big smile, all 32 teeth or less, it's okay. <laughs> all right, smile, say this with me. Because of the Holy Spirit, today, today, I have the unlimited presence of Jesus in my life. Woo! You missed a good point to shout. 
All right. Now, Acts chapter 2.33. It says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Now, this is Peter, the man who was hiding, who was denying who didn't believe even walking into the tomb that he was alive. This man is so radically transformed inside out. How? Because the Spirit of God was poured upon him and the 120 and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and he stands before those same Jews who had just 50 days ago shouted, crucify him and he's preaching to them about Jesus Christ. And then he tells them, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. He's talking about Jesus. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured this out now, which you see and hear. He's telling them what's happening to us is what Jesus promised. He's risen. He's seated on the right hand of God. He has poured His Holy Spirit upon us. And it is not camouflage. It's not hiding some little candlelight somewhere. It is mighty rushing river. And that's what you are seeing. That's what you're seeing in our lives. That's what you're hearing. We are changed. We are not the same people. And my friends, I'm here to tell you, this is not just for the 120. This is for every child of God. This is for you. This is for me. Because we have a great commission to preach this gospel with power and authority across the world, in our streets, in our homes, in our communities, in our counties. We are never to cede control to the devil. Rather, we are the ones who have been equipped by the unlimited power of God. You believe that? Then shout, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hey, nobody's going to beat you here. You know, this is, <laughs> this is a great place to shout, hallelujah. Today, the third person of the Holy of Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is living in me. He's living inside you. He's operating in this world. And none of us can make it without the Holy Spirit. None of us can make it. None of us can survive without the Holy Spirit. Look at the words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. So Jesus knew the disciples and us today would need to depend on the Holy Spirit as he himself depended completely on the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is not thinking us living a different lifestyle than he lived. He was dependent totally on the Holy Spirit, and he expects you and me to depend on the Holy Spirit entirely. So he says here, I will pray to the Father. Now the word pray is a legal word which is usually used to argue a case in the court. Say a a lawyer is arguing a case, you know, the law is on his side, he knows the law, is familiar with it, he's presenting an airtight uh, presentation, and the judge is convinced and says, yes, I agree with that, so I'm going to rule on your behalf in your favor. That's what Jesus is saying. He's He's saying, I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to tell him, how vitally essential the Holy Spirit was in my life for me to do what you told me to do on this earth. Now, Father, I have uh, disciples in the earth right now. There's almost 120 there waiting. And this number is going to increase in leaps and bounds as the years roll by. And even today, we are his disciples. He's thinking about us, looking at us, and he's telling his Father, they in the earth today need the Holy Spirit as much as I needed the Holy Spirit. And this case is very clear, strong, and so powerful that the Father understands and immediately sends the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter is telling the people. 
He said, Jesus said he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's risen. He's now seated on the right hand of God. And the first thing he did as soon as he was seated was to tell the Father, present the case. And Jesus was successful that the Holy Spirit has been poured. And now you are seeing what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. If Jesus would take the help and dependence on the Holy Spirit so seriously, we too must take it seriously. He took it so serious that when he reached heaven, he's not asking all the angels to come and bow before him. He's not doing anything like that. The first thing he does is tell his father, they need the Holy Spirit immediately. And the father gives us the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit with great joy. We need to love him. We need to talk to him. We need to acknowledge him. We need to depend upon him. We need to yield to him. And we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that we can grow deeper in the Lord. Jesus also used another word in John 14, 16. He said, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another. He uses the word another comforter. Look at the word another. The, another, the, the word another means something of the same kind. Jesus is clearly telling the disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, that the Holy Spirit will be just like Jesus. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit. And oh, now you got to say it happy. All right, no sad people here. You know, we're talking in the presence of the Lord. There's what? A lot of sorrow? No. Fullness of joy. Okay, now let's get to fullness here. All right? Everybody happy now? You got the happiness? All right, now big smile. I want to see you all smile. Smile. No, 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 not the thin smile. Big. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Say, say this with me. <laughs> say this with me. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, just like Jesus. and has come into my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We really need that understanding. It's not like somebody else. It's not like kind of something floats here and goes up. No, it's Jesus. Like Jesus, he's in my life. The Holy Spirit will perfectly represent Jesus in every way. He will duplicate the life and ministry of Jesus in your life and in my life. That's exciting. We should say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Think about these words. The Holy Spirit will perfectly duplicate. The life and ministry of Jesus in our lives. He will mirror Jesus in every way. What does it mean? He will speak to us just like Jesus spoke with the disciples. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will do exactly what Jesus did. So when the disciples started hearing this word, you can imagine that they were encouraged and strengthened and, and knew that they are not going to be abandoned, but that Jesus is coming back to them through the Holy Spirit and they are not going to miss him at all. Why was this so crucial and important to the, to the disciples? Because Jesus was giving them something strong and wonderful to keep going forward. They don't have to hide. They don't have to run back. They don't have to deny. But they can go forward with great hope and joy. Jesus taught the disciples that the Holy Spirit will reside in them forever. He's not going to come and go. He's not going to be there just for a few days and leave. But Jesus said, he will be with you forever. And if we want to know who the Holy Spirit is, we just need to know who Jesus is. Because everything Jesus is, is what the Holy Spirit is. And where do we find Jesus? In the Gospels. As we read the words of our Lord, as we read about his life, 
His how he acted, his travels, how he ministered to people, how he talked. Doesn't matter who it was, how he talked, how he handled different circumstances. That's where we encounter Jesus. And the more we look at Jesus, the more we believe him and his words and what he did, the more we will know who the Holy Spirit is. We will know how to live in this world and help others as Jesus because we will meet him there and the Holy Spirit is here to help us. Not only that, Jesus uses one more word. In John chapter 14, verse 16, again, he says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another. Now the word is comforter. Comforter. That word comforter, Jesus used four different times in that one night. He used it in John chapter 14, 16. John, same chapter, verse 26. Next chapter, chapter 15, verse 26, chapter 16, and verse 7. Now, the word comforter is an exciting, powerful word. First part of the word means some alongside, or someone comes very, very close to you. I'm talking he's so close to you, there is no room between you and him. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not someone who's going to stand far off. Rather, he has come and is inside you. He's inside us. He's very close. He's someone who's very close and he's going to be with us all the time. The second part of the word comforter means call. Paul says, I am called to be an apostle. In other words, this word helps us to know that the Holy Spirit has a particular call on his life. He has a strategic purpose, a specific intent, or a concrete direction. He just didn't come and, you know, just to drum his finger somewhere. He came with a specific call, with a specific purpose. So what is the call or the plan or purpose that God has given the Holy Spirit? The purpose and direction that God has given the Holy Spirit is to be with us and help us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Amen. Come on, are you thrilled? Amen. You are not alone. You're not on a canoe without a paddle. I've been there. <laughs> it's no fun without a paddle. Listen. It doesn't matter what area of life you are dealing with or what the challenges are or whatever. There is divine helper on the scene with you. It doesn't matter whether it's midnight, 12 o'clock, or 3 a.m. in the morning, or 12 noon. You and I have access to a divine helper who has never failed. He has a track history of being 100% successful every time. And that is the Holy Spirit. And he has been sent by God. He is, knows already the mind of God regarding every circumstance we are faced with. Every challenge we have, every decision we have to make, every unpleasant circumstance we have to deal with, he already knows. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has researched the mind of God, the length, depth, height, width of the mind of God. He knows exactly what God's plan is for our lives for that circumstance. Come on, what a blessed people we are. Now look at your neighbor and say, you are a blessed person. The Holy Spirit is inside you. So his chief purpose and responsibility while he is living inside you and me is to help us every day. Is to How does he help us? He helps us by being our guide. He teaches us. He advises us. He instructs us. He trains us. Prepares us. For every circumstance you and I would ever face. He never stops. He's always there. He never gives up. 
He never gives up. He's never frustrated. He never loses patience. He's there. You can ask the same thing a 10,000 times. He will patiently, lovingly instruct us and then empower us so that we can walk in victory. Hallelujah. Our calling is to be like an apprentice, totally accepting the Lordship and the, and the control of the Holy Spirit so that we can learn. We can learn from Him by yielding to Him and opening our hearts to Him. He will do everything Jesus did, and He will teach the way Jesus did, and He will help us like Jesus will help us if He was standing right here with you and me. Oh, come on, somebody raise your hand and say, praise the Lord. Lord. you got to say it with big joy. Praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> now, I want to take you to another wonderful scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. One of the greatest weapons that the devil uses against any believer is discouragement. He waits for the right time. He waits until we are tired or weak or susceptible to his lies. And then he hits us in, with our, in, in our emotions with, with the discouragement and lies in, the, in our head. Telling us that everything we are doing is not valuable. Perhaps we are not accomplishing. Or just we are falling short. Or just being generally, you know, discouraged. But the Holy Spirit says, or God says here, if the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus up from the dead dwells in you, yes, he's dwelling in you and me. Then he that raised Christ up from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. Now the word mortal body is talking about our physical body. It's a body of limitations. It's because we have a body of limitations that we get frustrated or physically tired or all those negative things. But it is in those precise moments you and I need that extra strength to keep going on, not give up or throw in the towel. We are a people who never give up because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's why this scripture says the Holy Spirit will quicken our mortal body. Here is the meaning of the word quicken. It means revitalize, rejuvenate, refresh, renew. Imagine you are tired, you are weak, you feel like you cannot face whatever lies ahead. And the Spirit of God inside you, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, explodes inside us with his power and transforms our thinking, strengthens us emotionally and physically. What happens at that moment? We are rejuvenated. Say that with me. I am rejuvenated. Refreshed. Revitalized, renewed. Hallelujah. This is what the Holy Spirit does. So, are you tired today? Are you dealing with frustrations? Hey, we are going to pray for you today, and you are going to walk out of this place refreshed, renewed, rejuvenated. Anybody ready? You didn't raise your hand. Come on, we got to be active. Yes. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives with that resurrection power. Amen? Amen. What a great God we serve. I, I want to read one more scripture to you before we close. You know, we, when we study the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we are focused on who He is and how the Bible describes He will help us so that we can run this race of faith we are in this life successfully. But there is another aspect that the scriptures talk about. That is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
in James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, the Apostle James is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. And he is writing to believers, but he starts in a very strong way. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So here we now go into an intimate personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is what he longs. And, you know, can you imagine if believers got a letter like this today, they would leave the church and walk out. But anyway, that's what he wrote. What does he mean by that? He's talking about spiritual adultery. That is, everybody knows what adultery is. You know, a, a person in, a, in, in, in the bonds of marriage is uh, unfaithful, breaks that vow, and does something that's horrible, that brings a lot of pain and hurt, and causes destruction to that marriage. And our relationship with God is very similar to a marriage relationship. And Jesus is telling us, when you are friends with the world, that is, if the world is having an attraction, it is seducing you, luring you, you are enamored by the world, you are, you are being drawn to it, you want part of it in your life, that puts us in a place where we are committing what the Bible says here as spiritual adultery. It is very heartbreaking if there's a person who's faithful in the marriage bond and the other person was not faithful. The person who was faithful is experiencing such incredible hurt and pain. They are literally being drawn through the mud. You know, they all kinds of things go in their mind. And the same thing Jesus is saying, this is how it hurts him because somebody is violating this beautiful, wonderful relationship he has with the believer. He feels just like a wounded spouse, rejected, betrayed, deceived. And that's why he uses his word. He says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I feel God is telling us one of the reasons we are less effective is because of this area where we are allowing the world to have an impact in our lives are drawing us away from the sacred relationship that we as the bride of Christ should have with Jesus. So I believe God is a merciful God. He will speak in your heart to areas that he wants you to bring to him and surrender to him so that the relationship will be good and productive. Not only that, he goes on in the next scripture, verse 5, and makes the statement, do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, who that dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy? So two words, the spirit that dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy. The word dwell means someone who has permanently moved into a home. That's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit has done with us. Do you not know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? He is now permanently dwelling in us. He's not planning to leave. You have become the most comfortable home that he wants to spend all his time in. So that is the relationship the Holy Spirit has with us. But now comes this word lust. Now we all know when this word is used, it's always used in a negative way. But here it's used with the Holy Spirit in a positive, in a healthy, in a godly way. There is a, what does the word lust mean? It means an intense desire, a yearning, a longing for something. An example is somebody who is addicted to drugs. You take the drugs away from the person, they are yearning, they are longing, they are breaking out in sweat, they are crying, they are weeping, they are begging. They will Lick the entire floor if you tell them to, because all they want is just some more of those drugs. That's the yearning. And here the script Bible says that the Holy Spirit has a similar longing, yearning. He desperately wants something. So what is it he wants? He wants you and he wants me. He wants us so intensely. He wants you for himself, where he can indwell us, where he can live in us, 
where the worldly affections are expelled and we have an intense love and affection for him. We are drawn to him. Now, why does he want to do this? So that he can help us to get stronger in Christ in an ongoing way where we are transformed into the image of Jesus, where we become effective witnesses. One of the ways, the only way we can ever witness is how Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power, then you will be my witnesses. Why does he want us so desperately? He wants us to be saturated with his love, his presence, union with him, relationship with him, where we learn to trust him and be guided by him, taught by him, so that we can be witnesses and we can understand the word and truly be a blessing in the lives of everyone we come across. I pray today that this word of God begins to ignite a fresh passion and love in all of our hearts for the presence and dependence of, of the Holy Spirit. That not, we will not look at him just someone who is going to help us, but go a little further. Someone we are in love with. He is a divine lover. Now we are weak, we are human beings, but his love is strong. He never gives up. That God will help us to be so connected with Him, intimate with Him, in love with Him, where the world is not having its impact in, upon us. Rather, the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image of Jesus so that every one of us can fulfill the purpose for which God called us to live in this world. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this great day, for this wonderful opportunity to be together as believers, to look at your word. Lord God, to share your word, to receive. Mighty God, we thank you for the incredible love you have for each one of us. Here we just now read in James 4 verse 5 that the Holy Spirit lusted to envy, that you desire us, yearn for us, long for us, Open our hearts and minds, O God, to understand it. And help us, O God, even now to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. To sever any attraction that the world has upon our hearts and minds. That will separate us from you. That will come under the category of enmity. We don't want to live that type of a life. We want a life where we are totally in love with you honoring you, worshiping you. And Lord God, I pray for every man, every woman here. I pray that the mighty hand of God will rest upon them. You saved us for a divine purpose and that purpose be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, I come against every spirit of intimidation, hopelessness, despair, discouragement. I command you to go because the word of God says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Every work of darkness, every influence, every lie be canceled now. Thank you, Lord, that you are living in us. Your hand is upon us. We praise you and worship you. Help us, O oh God, to recognize that you, Holy Spirit, are with us just like Jesus is. That you're teaching us, guiding us. That we have this dynamic relationship. That we can turn to you continuously for direction, guidance, and we can talk to you nonstop. Help us in that area. In Jesus' name, amen.